Hello there. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Barton. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! We started a new series last week simply entitled Light. And last week we just looked at the subject of light and we said that light was the first thing that God created because as John says, God is light. Last week we also breached the subject of bioluminescence. Bioluminescence is this biochemical emission of light produced by living organisms. And if you remember, uh, we looked at several pictures of some bioluminescent creatures last week. Uh, Last week we looked at the firefly. And there's probably not a person in here that doesn't remember being a little kid running around their front or backyard trying to catch uh, these little lightning bugs. We also looked at the jellyfish. Uh, I don't think there's a person in here who doesn't remember being a kid and being at the beach and either avoiding or getting stung uh, by these horrible little creatures known as jellyfish. We also looked at the effects that blue algae has on the waves and the tide, and it's just absolutely breathtaking. Um, I want to show you just a couple, a couple more of bioluminescent creatures. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but some mushrooms can light up at night. Uh, now, this mushrooms, these mushrooms are, <clears throat> are very beautiful, but I don't think they're edible, so I, I don't encourage you to try that. Um, squid. Several species of squid are bioluminescent. In fact, most of the creatures that make up the bioluminescent class of creatures are aquatic. They're found in the ocean. Uh, this is the last one. Uh, this is a swell shark. I don't go in the ocean at night because that's when sharks are active, but maybe you'll be swimming in the ocean one night and you'll encounter one of these. Uh, You don't have to worry because these creatures only grow to be about 12 inches long. They might be able to take off a finger or something, but you're probably pretty safe. But all of these creatures within their cellular structure are able to produce light, and so they are able to illuminate. And here's what we said last week. Scientists have discovered that human beings are bioluminescent, that we actually radiate light from within ourselves, that under the right conditions, with the right cameras, the human body literally glows, emitting a visible light in small uh, quantities, uh, a thousand times less than a jellyfish, so you can't see it with the naked eye. However, in 2009... In Japan, uh, there was a study on bioluminescence and human beings. And what they did is they put people in these uh, sealed light-proof chambers with these special lenses and and infrared lights, and they were able to capture uh, different degrees of bioluminescence that a human would emit from their bodies. And the research found Uh, that the body would glow and it would rise and fall over the course of the day. Just trivial information, but human beings uh, emit the least amount of light around 10 a.m. And they glow the most around 4 p.m. And after 4 p.m., it gradually drops off. 
And so these findings suggest that there is light emission linked to our body clocks, most likely due to how our metabolic rhythms uh, fluctuate over the course of the day. They also found that faces lit up and, and glowed more than the rest of the body, and they believe that's due to exposure to uh, natural sunlight. You get more uh, light on your face than anywhere on your body. It's very interesting uh, to me, this whole bioluminescent bio human being. Uh, and so this is going to serve as our launching point uh, for this morning's message, which is simply entitled, The Light Within. And our text this morning is going to be in the book of Judges. Now, before we get there, let me set the scene. And I want to encourage you to try to stay awake uh, as we go through some, some history here. Uh, let me set the scene to where we're going to land in the book of Judges. Uh, this is before Israel had a king. God was their king. And Israel had forsaken God. It was a very dark period of time we're going to land in Scripture. Um, they had turned their backs on God. They were worshiping the false god Baal as, as along, along with other false gods. And they were engaging in all kinds of nefarious activities. And so what God does is God says, okay, that's the way you want to do it. I'm going to turn you over to those sins and the consequences of those sins. And the consequences of them turning their back on God, of them worshiping false gods, gods, was that they were being attacked over and over and over again by very evil, wicked countries, including a group of people that you've probably read about in the Bible known as the Midianites. And what is happening where we land in the text is for seven years... All right, we've, we've been in this COVID thing for like six months, and I'm ready for it to be over. So imagine seven years, the Midianites waged war against God's people. And what they would do, they wouldn't go in and kill the people. They would go in, they would steal their crops, they would steal their livestock, they would burn their food, they would take everything out, leaving the Israelites to starve to death. And so Israel did what we do. When we disobey God and God says, okay, this is the way you want to play it. I'm just going to turn you over to the consequences of those sins. And that starts piling up on us. What we do is we say, God, I'm sorry, help. I, I know I have not been the best person. I know I have turned my back on you, but I'm in trouble. Help. And so Israel cries out to God and says, listen, we have disobeyed. We have been heathens. Please help us. They cry out in repentance to God. Enter a man named Gideon. Gideon was this young Israelite man who lived in this climate of discouragement, despair, fear, and intimidation. God would call Gideon to lead an army against the Midianite army. Now, the army in which Gideon was going to face the Midianites was a huge, massive army. Gideon's was much, much smaller. In Judges chapter 8, we learn that the army that Gideon is going to go up against has 135,000 soldiers. That's enough to fill several football stadiums. There are a lot of fighting men that are, that are attacking Israel. Like I said, Gideon 
has a much, much smaller army. So the first place we're going to land is Judges chapter 2, or Judges chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. The Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many. Let me tell you what Gideon's gathering the army, okay? And God says, there are too many people to, to give me the, uh, there are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. So let me tell you what's going on here. Gideon has amassed an army of 32,000 men, all right? So you're going to have 32,000 versus 135,000. How many of you like those odds? I certainly don't. I would want to be on the 135,000, right, not the 32,000. But God says, listen, Gideon, that's too many men because here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you the victory. You're going to win this battle. I'm going to come through as I always do. And if they're 32,000 men, they're going to stick their chest out and say, we were one-fourth the size of that army, and look what we did. And they're going to take the glory. So you've got to get rid of some men. So we're getting ready to go to battle. So just ask your entire army, is anyone afraid to die? Does anyone not want to be killed and leave widows and orphans at home? I've never been in war. I imagine if I was in war and about ready to, to battle and a, a lieutenant or a general said, listen, if, if you don't really want to die today, you don't really want to fight, you're free to go home, I'd be like, see ya, right? And so of the 32,000, 22,000 say, yep, thank you, I'm out. So now we've got 10,000. So you've got 10,000 that's going to go up against 135,000, Okay. Those odds are even worse than when we started. But God says, you know what, Gideon? Way too many men. Way too many men. So I want you to see what happens next. Now, stay with me here because this is kind of a lengthy passage of Scripture. It's, you know, a lot of times when we read long passages of Scripture, we catch a cat nap. I want you to, to, to see what's going on here. Down in verses 4 through 8. The Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And if anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink, and the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, I love this, with 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. And let all the others go, every man to his home. So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained 300 men, and the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Okay, so now you've gone from 32,000 
got to get my numbers right, to 10,000 to 300. So you've got 300 that's going to go up against 135,000. God says, with 300 men who lap water, I'll use this for a great victory. 300 versus 135,000. You might remember the movie, a movie that came out several years ago called 300. It's uh, based on a comic book series. It's, it's actually a fictional, let me, let me emphasize that, a fictional retelling of the Persian Wars. In particular, the movie 300 displays this battle between King Leonidas, who leads 300 Spartans into battle against the great Persian king Xerxes and his invading army of more than 300,000 soldiers. And they hold them off for a while if you've seen the movie. But if you've watched the movie, you know that every last one of those 300 men, they fought with bravery, with integrity, with intestinal fortitude, but they all died. Well, the story of Gideon is the real story of 300. First of all, it's not a fictional story. It actually happened. And secondly, this army of 300 actually fared quite well. So let me just review. You start with 32,000. You narrow to 300 against an army of 135,000. You see, it was God's intention that the victory be clearly seen as a miracle. And with those numbers, 300 versus 135,000, only divine intervention could secure a victory for Israel. Not only were the numbers low, but their weapons, the weapons that God tells these 300 men to carry into battle are quite interesting. No swords, no spears, no bows. No arrows, no shields. Gideon obeys God's instructions with no swords, no spears, no arrows, no shields. Here's what God asked them to do. Judges 7, down to verse 16 through 18. So he has 300 men. And he, Gideon, divided the 300 men into three companies. 100 over here on this flank, 100 over here on this flank, and 100 up here. So you've got three companies of 100 men going against 135,000 men. Okay, here's where it gets interesting. In the three companies, and here's the weapons I want you to take. Put, trumpet, put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars. All right, so I'm going to war against 135,000. I've got 300 of my soldiers. They all have swords, spears, bow and arrows. I've got a trumpet and a clay jar. You, you can't make this stuff up. But here's what's interesting, what's inside of the jar. Empty jars with torches inside of the jars. He said to them, look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of camp, do as I do. When I blow my trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. This is crazy. Each man had a trumpet uh, known as a shofar. A shofar is a ram's horn that's made into a trumpet. You blew into a ram's horn and made this incredible sound. That's in one hand. In the other hand, a clay jar with a lit torch inside of it so you couldn't see the light. It was disguising the light. 
I mean, I, I, I'm not versed on the art of war, but I, I would hardly consider these weapons weapons of mass destruction. Look what happens, Judges 7, 19 through 21. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. This is midnight. When they had just set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. And then the three company, companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hand torches and with their right hand trumpets to blow. And they cried out, a sword for the Lord and a sword for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp and all the army ran. They cried and they fled. Okay, so Gideon and his 300 men approach the camp at midnight. The Midianites are asleep. There's a couple watchmen out. And all at once, under Gideon's leadership, they are going to blow their trumpets. I got on YouTube because I just wanted to hear what a, a shofar sounded like. Because um, it, it boggles my mind that you can take a ram's, a horn of a ram and make a musical instrument out of it. And so I found this, this person in Las Vegas who is a professional shofar player. And uh, I'm an audio learner, so for, for about five to ten seconds here, I just want you to hear what those trumpets would have sounded like. Remember, it's midnight, everyone's asleep, and you don't have one of these. You've got 300 of these around you on all sides making this sound. The Midianites heard that. They were aroused from their sleep by these loud shofar trumpets, the sound of 300 men yelling for the Lord and for Gideon. And then they heard pots being shattered. And all of a sudden, out of those pots come 300 torches from all around them, and it lit up the sky. The Bible tells us that the Lord sent the Midianite army into confusion, causing them to attack and kill each other. And then the rest of them ran the camp entirely. Gideon would ultimately hunt them down and put them to death. Listen to me. The entire army, 135,000 are wiped out with trumpets, clay pots, and torches. You know, the flame within the jar in this story, I believe, is where we want to land today for just a few minutes, because it has a lot of implications and applications in our own lives. I want you to think about it. The torches were lit, but they were inside of these clay jars, these clay pots, they were, they were hidden in the pot so you couldn't see them. Nonetheless, the light was still there. The trumpets blew, they smashed the pots, and the light burst forth. And what I, we have one application point today. Here's what I simply want us to grasp, and we're over halfway through. Happy Labor Day. I'm going to get you out here early. We need to understand, I need to understand, you need to understand on a very micro level, that if you are God's child, 
if Jesus is in your heart, if Jesus is, is in my heart, that we actually have the light of the Lord shining inside of us. We have the victory of the Lord inside of us. I want to look at a parallel passage that the Apostle Paul wrote. There's no doubt that many of you have read or heard this passage but when you hold this passage up to what just happened with Gideon and the torches in the clay pots, this passage kind of comes to life for us. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says this, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Go back to last week, Genesis chapter 1. The earth was without form. The Spirit of God was hovering over the water, and the very first thing God says, let there be light. And out of darkness, light burst forth. So God said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now here's the money phrase. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. What Paul is doing here is he is likening believers of Christ unto Gideon's army's jars of clay. While those jars may have seemed quite ordinary, they contained lit torches inside of them, which ultimately gave them tremendous victory. And it's so too of us. God has given all of us his power within our hearts, no matter how ordinary we may seem to be on the surface. Our goal in life has been, is today, and will always be until Jesus returns to live the Matthew 5, 16 passage. Let your light shine. You see, in the Corinthian passage, the jars of clay, Paul says, that's us. That's our physical bodies. But inside of these physical bodies, inside what he calls these jars, these cheap shelled jars of clay, we have the light of Christ inside of us. And the light is most radiantly revealed when the jar is broken. In other words... Hear me, Christian, when we endure hardships, when we endure sorrows and difficulties, when the doubts and the fears and the confusion and the physical pains and the griefs and the hardships of life come our way, these are the very means for us to share and shine our light. The world is not watching how we react when things go our way. The world is watching to how we react when things don't go our way. Are we going to let the light burst forth? Are we going to put blinders up so that light doesn't get out to other people? You see, we are the jars of clay. And it's only when the jar is broken that victory is near. We're plain. We're ordinary. But we have the light of Jesus Christ living in us. And I have found this to be true. It's always in our brokenness. It's always in our imperfections. It's always in our trials and through our tribulations that we understand how valuable this great treasure is inside of us. The light and the love of Jesus Christ. 
There's an old parable about an elderly Chinese woman. And she had two large pots. And she would take these pots and she would take, um, she would hang them on a pole on her shoulder. She would put a pot here, a pot here, and she would walk the long journey down to the stream, fill those pots of water, hang them on her shoulders, and she would walk back to the house. Well, one of the pots had a crack in it, while the other pot was perfect, and it delivered a full portion of water. At the end of every long walk from the stream to the house, the cracked pot arrived only half full. And for two full years, this went on daily, with the woman bringing home only one and a half pots of water. Now, of course, the perfect pot was proud of itself and proud of its accomplishments. But the poor cracked pot was ashamed of its own imperfection and miserable that it could only do half of what it was made to do. Well, after two years of what is perceived to be a failure, the cracked pot actually spoke to the woman one day by the stream. And she said, you know, I am ashamed of myself because of this crack in my side. It causes me to leak water all the way to your house. The old woman smiled and she said, hey, did you notice that there are flowers on your side of the path, but not on the other side? That's because I've always known about your flaw. So I planted flower seeds on your side of the path, and every day while we walk back, you water them. And for two years, I've been able to, to pick up these beautiful flowers and decorate my table. Without you being just the way you are, there would not be this beauty to grace the house. You see, each one of us have our own unique flaws. I, I would... I would be safe to say, and I mean this in a complimentary way, I'm preaching to a bunch of crackpots this morning, right? <laughs> all of us, all of us have our imperfections. All of us have our insecurities. That's when we let the light of Jesus Christ seep out of there and water the world. Inside of us is the same God that defeated 135,000 trained killers with 300 trumpets, 300 torches, and 300 cheap clay pots. You know, scientists tell us that all human beings are bioluminescent. Under the right lighting, you can capture light being admitted by your cells. But hear me, Christian, you are different. We are different. We have the light of God illuminating from inside of us. Will you allow that light to burst forth from your souls? Will you allow the Lord to use your life to shine his light? Will you allow the Lord to use his light to influence how you interact with each other? How you treat your spouse? How you raise your children? how you talk to the cashier at Kroger or Ingalls or Publix, how you treat waiters and waitresses, how you talk to each other, how we communicate to each other, live, text, Facebook, tweet, Twitter, there's like 4,000 different social apps, all those apps. Will we let light through? Listen, we live in a dark world. There is darkness and evil everywhere. 
but I have found this to be true. The darker it is, the brighter our lights can shine. And so I leave you one last time with Paul's words to the church in Corinth with the clay jars of Gideon in our mind and that great victory. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, and 7. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to who? God, not us. It was God who beat the Midianite army, not Gideon. It is God, and some of you need to hear this, who has already defeated the devil on the cross. We're not putting on our armor trying to fight for victory. The victory is won. We're fighting from victory. And the same light in those clay pots in the book of Judges is the same light that's in our hearts. And we can be assured that there is victory in Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.